All right, 11 a.m., so good to see you guys. Please take a seat. Thank you for being here, taking time to register and come to service today. If you're joining us online, can we say welcome to everybody joining us online right now? Thanks to technology, we get to do this all together, and we love it. We love that Sunday mornings are back, and we are glad that you're here. Hey, uh, we're in a series called Thick Skin, Soft Hearts Can't Lose, and we're in a time right now where we're asking for things like revival. We need Jesus because this world feels so polarized, so divided. People are being people, the world's being the world, and what is needed is the presence of Jesus through his people. We need to be building bridges. We need to be unifying people. And we have all gotten a first look at how hard that can be sometimes in a month like November, right? We are the people of God, and sometimes I admit it's hard to act like it. And what we need to have to build those bridges and to bring love and grace into all the situations that we encounter, thick skin, soft hearts. And so it's timely that we're talking about this right now because we as the people of God need to embody that. And there's a journey to get there. And we're gonna go on uh, the thick skin part of that today. Next week, Doug will talk about soft hearts and they're obviously, you know, they, they play together. But we're gonna focus on thick skin and what it means to have it, how do we get it. Before we dive too deep, However, I want to pay homage to the nostalgic high school football part of this series. Who's seen Friday Night Lights? Starring Nick Brandt. Our own star. One of the greatest TV shows of all time, filmed here in Austin. And uh, so we obviously took the clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose of Coach Taylor, and now it's thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose. And I wanted to bring some high school football nostalgia into Red Rocks Austin for you by sharing with you some of my favorite all-time high school football players, which sounds like a very dumb thing to have a list of, but you'll see where I'm going with this. So first, we have number five, the Highlands Ranch High School Falcons, Douglas William Weckenman. What a specimen. Standing by his Saturn view that his mom decorated while he was sleeping so he would think the cheerleaders from school did it. <laughs> Stud. This is when Doug and I became friends, right? When he was taking the field. Senior year for Doug, junior year for me, we were in the same physics class. I was obviously just in awe of this guy. The great number five. This is proof that he did play. He's walking onto the field. That's a football field. Those are pads. And this is proof that he got in the game. In football, it's always good to have some green grass around you if you're running, right? If you have the ball. Not sure what Doug's doing here. He's tracking somebody down. He's far away, but he's going. And this is literally all the pictures that his mom sent me of him playing high school football. That's all she's got. So let's celebrate that career. And then cross town at Rock Canyon High School, the Jaguars. Number 10, Ryan, Christopher Weckenman. Look at this. So immediately you can tell that their parents favor Ryan because they paid to have professional photos taken of him playing football, whereas Doug's picture was like, oh, this, this is a camera phone now? This is the first one. Okay, well, he's running. Nobody's around him, but let's get a picture. Yeah, now we'll always know he played high school football and he got in a game. There he is. Where Ryan's got the ball here. Let's, let's keep looking at Ryan. Look at this. The guy's shoulder pads are bigger than his body. That's, that's what makes your arm look small here, Ryan, is your shoulder pads. 
And I'm confident that this was an effective stiff arm on number 44 with those guns that you're hiding under the biggest shoulder pads in the history of football. The coach is like, how much does Weckenman weigh? 300 pounds? Put those shoulder pads. Oh, sorry, he weighs 130. Well, that's fine. Just let him play. And then this is where, sadly, Ryan's high school career ended because he murdered this guy. I don't think this guy even has the ball. Why did you do that? This guy's never going to come to our church. Poor number 58. God, give him grace wherever he is today after Ryan assaulted him and was kicked out of the game of football. But it is kind of a cool picture. So, okay, so now you know the athletes that lead your church, the high school football stars, and you're like, okay, well, Ethan's doing this because obviously now he's going to show us some real highlights of his high school football career, touchdowns, he's scoring, playing in the All-State game, of course, when he signed his letter of intent to play Division I football, you've all, you're ready for it. And I would love to show you some photos of myself as a high school football star, but they don't exist because I didn't play high school football. And that is because, as my driver's license from age 16 will show us, I was, if you're in the back, I'll read it, I'll read it for you. Five foot five, 105 pounds, age 16. You can tell they're asking me in the question, like, son, are you sure you're supposed to be getting a driver's license? I'm like, uh, my parents say I'm 16, but surely that can't be true. Look at me. I would be at stoplights and people would be like pointing, like, call that fifth grader's parents. He's driving their car. Call the cops. They need to come send this kid back to elementary school. If I had taken the football field, I would have made Doug look like he could be my dad at that time. This is me in high school. Just decided to wear a headband to dinner with my grandparents just to distract from just how I looked. The ultimate late bloomer. I know that bloom is probably a very generous term for what happened, but based on that, I guess I'll take it. And maybe for somebody in here, this is giving you some confidence that out of the ashes, God can bring about average. As he has done right here. To put this in more context for you, because I am, again, in high school here, let's look at what Tim Tebow looked like in high school. Just 18 of me. I could have fit just right here in his calf. You kidding me? Me and that guy could have walked through the same hallway at the same school, and a teacher would be like, yeah, I have both of them in class. Be like, that father-son combo? What's going on here? So, yeah, I didn't play high school football turns out. I, I went out for football in seventh grade, and I didn't even get to a game. In training camp, this just hoss of a kid, Gavin Gildon, just laid me out, broke my chin bone, just bruises everywhere. I didn't, even in places I didn't get hit. My chin turned to like seven different colors. I could move part of the bone, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick to just being not great at baseball and forget football. I don't need it. I don't belong out here. You can take Tim Tebow off. It's making me look bad. So, obviously, that takes us to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, that makes sense that we're going to read. Yeah, I'm going to write this down. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And if you're like, that has nothing to do with what you were just talking about, I know. I'll come back to this verse, store it away, 
The Apostle Paul wrote this. I'm going to get back to talking about making fun of Doug and Ryan. My favorite pastime. So, I talk to a lot of people about our church. And there's, there's common narratives that I hear. On the positive side, when people say, hey, we love this place. We call this place home. We give here. We serve here for whatever involvement they have. I hear common reasons why, and this isn't me bragging, because I can't take credit for almost any of it. It's the family feel. We walk in and we feel at home. And that's our parking team, greeting team, cafe, welcome. It's everybody who gives of their time and makes this place home for other people. And people feel that. And I love all of you that do that. Or we love the pillar of generosity at Red Rocks Church. That you'll hear somebody say, hey, during the offering, if you're hurting today, if you need help paying a bill or groceries or something for your kid in school and there's loose cash in that basket, take it. Because we're a family. And if we're going to push you to be generous, we're going to go first as the church. Another awesome thing I love about this church, I can't take credit for that, was not my idea. That's a Red Rocks family tradition we've done forever. The one thing that maybe points to the three of us is I love that you guys make fun of each other. And I love that too, obviously. There's something defective in us, as you can tell. But I think that it may be one strength that we have And I'm glad that people notice it and are drawn to it because what I think it speaks to people and frees people in is, hey, these guys don't take themselves so seriously. They take God really seriously, but not themselves. And that's that's been forced into us. When we met, well, we're all college buddies, but they're brothers. When we met in college, we started walking together. We were thin-skinned. I was the most hard-hearted. To be fair, I was 5'5", 105 pounds at age 16. You'd have a hard heart too. Don't judge me with your hard heart. We had work to be done. And over the past 12 years, I'm not saying we made it. We're the most thick-skinned, soft-hearted people ever by any means. We have our stuff, and it's always a battle, but we have battled together because we're passionate about looking more and more like Jesus, and we want you to too. And we believe that thick skin and soft hearts look like him. And so when you hear somebody laugh at themselves. What you're seeing is some thick skin maybe. Maybe that's what it looks like. Maybe it's freeing for you to not have to take ourselves so seriously. I think the key to thick skin is confidence. Confidence. Confidence is assurance or trust in something. So we put our confidence, our assurance, our trust in a lot of different things, right? And I think most human beings don't really have a lot of it. Confidence is a hard thing to come by. I don't know very many confident human beings, to be honest with you. And I think it's because that's how we're predisposed as humans that are fallen, sinful, and broken, and flawed. So my son is one and a half, and I can already see thin skin in him. The other night, my brother-in-law and I are at the house. I'm getting Zeke ready for bath time. I take his diaper off, because he's going in the bath, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna go get the bath ready. He doesn't, I don't need to put a fresh diaper on him for two minutes, budget, you know, so I don't, stupidly, before I'd even gotten out of his room, he's in the kitchen, I hear my brother-in-law like, oh, Zeke, no, that's gross, Zeke had just run out, looked my brother-in-law straight in the eye and just pooped and peed right on the floor, (laughs) then stepped in it and starts walking around the house, so we're chasing him, trying to wrangle him, clean up, we're laughing the whole time because that's all you can do, and he got upset. He didn't have thick skin to be like, you guys, you know what, I'll laugh with you guys. I'm not defined by pooping on the floor. That's not my identity. It's not who I am. 
Yeah, sometimes we poop on the floor, but that's not who we are, and I can laugh at myself. No. He started crying because he's got thin skin because he knew he had done something he shouldn't have or he felt embarrassed. And I don't think, quite honestly, we as human beings ever really grow out of that. We just have thin skin. Our flaws are so apparent to us all the time, and it only gets worse when you get onto things like social media. You scroll for a little bit, and you're going to be reminded there's always somebody smarter, always somebody better looking, always somebody more successful. In my career, there's a better pastor, there's a better preacher, or whatever your career path is. Somebody with more followers, more likes, having a better life than I am. Because I've got all these flaws and insecurities, and surely they just must not. Really hard to have confidence. And so if we bring up the chart that Doug introduced last week, I think we live in the thin-skinned side for the most part as human beings. And you can determine where you, you can plot yourself on here, hardness of heart, softness of heart, wherever, but I believe that the majority of us are very thin-skinned because we are so abundantly aware of our flaws. And so, here's what we do. We say, I gotta get some confidence. All right, I'm gonna, put my, I'm gonna get more self-confidence, more confidence in me and my abilities, the things I am good at. I would say it's what we're naturally going to do is put our confidence in the flesh. And the flesh is kind of a Bible way of saying self, your abilities, yourself, the world, things that are worldly, and that's where we put our confidence. Not out of any malice, just that's what we think to do. Okay, the pastor said I need to be more self-confident to have thicker skin, so I gotta find some ways to be more confident about me. The problem is, when you put your confidence in the flesh, you will always be let down, because it's imperfect, because you will perform imperfectly. You will always have the flaws, and so you may be able to muster up some self-confidence, so to speak, that moves you into thicker skin, but I actually would argue that you're not really going to experience self-confidence, you will just move from insecurity to arrogance. And here's the problem, and here's why I say that, is because in order to value and find all the confidence in your flesh, you have to play the game of superiority, which means you are looking at other people and saying, I'm better than them in this way, I'm better than them in this way, and pushing them down to lift myself up, and that ends up and arrogance. And so maybe your skin has gotten a little thicker. You care a little less what people think about you or you think more highly of yourself, but your heart has gotten harder in the process. And it's because you can't really love yourself fully, right? You don't actually have self-confidence. You're only confident in the things that you or the world view as good in you. That doesn't make the insecurities go away, right? An arrogant person, that's just insecurity wearing a good disguise. It's just the person puffing their chest up and being the biggest, baddest in the room to distract everyone from the real insecurities and flaws that they still know are there. And so we play this game in our human pride, and maybe for a time we have thicker skin, but I would argue eventually in life, we move back and we actually end up with thinner skin and a harder heart than before if all our confidence is placed in the flesh. Because someday the great athlete retires and somebody else is the hot shot. Someday the physical appearance that you have placed so much of your confidence in fades with age. We see a lot of people trying to fight that. Someday somebody moves into the company and takes it to the place you never thought was possible and it didn't happen when you were there. All these places. Someday a person that you've put all of your trust and assurance in lets you down or a church, a company lets you down. 
This is what, I know this is really encouraging. You're like, okay, cool, have more self-confidence. Don't put any confidence in yourself because you're a failure and you suck. Good luck, have a great week, let's worship. Thanks, pastor. Follow me, because I think what's happened in this trajectory that we find ourselves constantly on is that in the search for confidence, our assurance, our trust, it's gotten mixed with pride, human nature. And so our pride is what keeps us insecure or covers it and moves us into arrogance. And so if pride is the thing that is robbing us of actually having thick skin because we are confident, then we need the opposite to mix with where we put our assurance and trust, which is humility. Confidence plus humility equals a thick skin. These two things have to mix, and they may sound very different from each other. A humble, confident person. I'll pray for confidence all day long. God, give me more confidence. That sounds awesome. I don't want to pray for humility, right? It's like patience, those kinds of things. We're like, careful what you pray for. Okay, cool, yeah, I'll pray for humility because then I'll be humbled. That sounds great. But I believe that these are the key ingredients because it's what I see in Jesus. And we, as the people who are called to show this world his light, his love, his grace with thick skin and soft hearts. We have to live like him and be like him, which means we need humility and confidence. It means we put our assurance and trust in Jesus. And this is the trajectory that it takes us on. Into holy confidence, not insecurity, not arrogance, but into holy confidence when we place it in Jesus. Why? Because his perfect performance has been given to you. When judgment comes, it is Jesus, it is his blood, it is only his perfect performance that gets you by. And that's been given to you. So you walk confidently knowing this isn't all about me. This is all about him. And that's where I draw my confidence and that's how my skin gets thicker and my heart gets softer. Is when I place my assurance, my trust in the one thing that will not fail me. So let's look at Jesus. Here's what I see about the life of Jesus. Before I get into this scripture, when we, what, most of what we read about is Jesus' ministry. And he is constantly questioned and doubted and mocked, made fun of, laughed at. There's a point where his own family members are going to try to grab hold of him because they think he's out of his mind. Being misunderstood is like one of the things that makes us all so insecure, Right? But Jesus just doesn't play the insecurity game like everybody else. He's not like, hey, you guys think that guy who claimed to be the Messiah is a little more jacked than me? You think the Pharisees are smarter than me? Was that guy in that last town a better public speaker than me? Jesus isn't playing that game. He is so assured in who his father is and what that means about who he is. He is so confident in the purpose for why he's here on earth that he has the thickest skin to endure walking through all the things that are happening in the world being the world around him. Jesus is the guy who got made fun of for the people he sat with at, in the lunchroom, right? So religion, religious people tend to circle a group and say, they're not like us, they don't think the same thing, get them out of here. Jesus goes and sits with them, and he doesn't throw stones or shouts at them, he takes them on their behalf from all the people who are looking at him saying, why are you sitting with those people? Because he's got skin that's so thick. So he sits with them. He loves them. It's who he is. It's amazing to watch all the way, and I see it culminate. It comes to this beautiful fruition of how thick skin Jesus is 
when he's arrested and tried. So let me walk you through a few moments. And it's, it's in what Jesus doesn't say where I see his thick skin. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer as he's being interrogated? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Okay, then, then he gets taken before Herod. Luke 23, 9. Herod plied Jesus with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. Okay, now he's in front of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Pilate, like us as humans, is looking at Jesus like, say something. Say something. Defend yourself. Do you know how thick-skinned you have to be to have people ripping your beard out and spitting on you, putting a crown of thorns on your head, and it's all based on a lie? They're lying about you? It's a conspiracy? It's not even true. And Jesus just endures. He just walks through it. Doesn't defend himself. Gives him nothing. We're like, come on, man. Speak up. And it culminates here with Pilate. This last conversation. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate's like, give me something here. This is not what a king would do. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. He has no idea what to do with this guy. And Jesus is telling him, I'm not playing the same game you're playing, man. This quest for superiority and pushing other people down, I'm not, I'm not playing that. My kingdom's not of this world. I'm not in the comparison game or the insecurity game or the, the arrogance game. No, no, no. I didn't come to wage war with people. I came to wage war for people. And Pilate has no idea what to do with that because why? Pilate doesn't know what's true. That's why the world acts like the world all the time because everyone's running around misplacing confidence, putting their assurance, putting their trust in all these places that fail and fail and fail and going, what is truth? And truth is standing right before Pilate. Walks from there humbly with skin thick enough, like Doug said last week, to pray for the people killing him and pays for all the flaws that make us insecure, all the reasons we don't feel worthy of God's love. Jesus pays for those for Pilate, and for you, and for me. With the thickest skin and the softest heart that humanity has ever seen. I'm not playing the game that the rest of you are playing. So you may say, okay, well, that's Jesus. I'd be confident if I was Jesus too. Let's look at the Apostle Paul who I would say started as a thin-skinned, arrogant, hard-hearted person. 
or at least had worked his way there on a trajectory. So Paul in Philippians 3 tells us, hey, if we're playing the resume game, I will have you all beat. Paul had the resume to put all the confidence in the things that everyone around him would have been like, you should be the most confident person. He had it all. Yet in Philippians 3, Paul tells us, I place no confidence in the flesh, none. Because guess where it got me? Thin skin, hard heart, arrogant murderer. That's where the confidence in the flesh had gotten him. And what was it that changed Paul? A moment of humility. This man who was thin-skinned enough to be so threatened by people who believe something different that he didn't just throw stones like we do on social media. He threw stones to kill. You have to be pretty hard-hearted, obviously, as well. He gets knocked off of his donkey. And this resurrected Messiah says, Paul, for too long now you've been placing your confidence in your intellect and your abilities and what you think. Put your confidence in me and watch what happens. And out of this this beginning of humility, Paul starts finding that holy confidence. And he says things, we read things like this in the New Testament. Such confidence we have through what? Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. I know there's debate about who wrote Hebrews, but the next one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we have confidence to approach God because of Jesus. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Notice in all of these things we're reading, it's not about us. The confidence is in he who began a good work. It's the blood of Jesus. It's in Christ. And Paul can say with authority that he who began a good work was faithful to carry it out, right? Because he began getting knocked off of a donkey and he went on to become the greatest church planner the world's ever seen, enduring suffering and persecution and people lying about him and trying to take down his churches and saying all kinds of things, being misunderstood, being hated. And somehow, this thin-skinned, hard-hearted, arrogant murderer became one of the most soft-hearted, thick-skinned human beings because Paul realized, I'm not playing the same game as everybody else. I'm no longer here to wage war with people. I'm here to wage war for people. So he loved people freely, even when they misunderstood, even when they attacked what he did, he would just keep loving people. And here is what I believe happens when we start putting our confidence, our assurance, our trust in Jesus is that we actually do become self-confident because we can now see the good things about us, the gifts that God gave us through the lens of humility. And we can say, hey, God made me this way to utilize this, my capacity, all of my gifts, all my talents to use it for his kingdom. So we can celebrate those things and be confident in those things, but we can be fully self-confident not playing the game we were before because we can also look at the flaws in ourselves and and maybe be able to laugh at ourselves sometimes. Maybe not take ourselves so seriously. Maybe with some of the insecurities, digging down to, okay, what's going on here? Why does this bother me way more than it should when somebody brings this up? For me right now, literally right now standing on this stage, 
If my confidence is in the flesh, my public speaking ability, my ability to make you laugh, my ability to connect you to God, if that's where my confidence is, then I will walk off of this stage thin-skinned, hard-hearted, most likely. I will have thin skin because I have placed all of the value and all of my assurance and trust in my ability and one comment from one of you, one email from one of you, and that's gonna destroy me because all my confidence in this was in me. But if my confidence is in Christ, if I have placed my confidence in the fact that he has put me here, imperfect, in my flaws, to communicate his goodness, his perfect performance that has been given to you, then I can walk off this stage with thick skin and a soft heart, and even if you email me, I can say, hey, I love you, and you're probably right. I probably didn't do the perfect job, and that's okay because Jesus, it's his perfect performance that lives in me. That's what I'm judged by, and so I wanna grow. I wanna get better. I wanna have thicker skin. I wanna have a softer heart, and I can only do that if I put my confidence in Jesus. Some of you are listening to this, and you're like, I've been asking the question that Pilate asked my whole life. What is truth? And now it makes sense to me why I'm living in insecurity or I'm living in arrogance, why my skin is so thin because it has failed me. Putting my confidence in all these things that do not hold the truth and will let me down and are flawed. And, and today I wanna tell you that the truth is that Jesus Christ came to pay for your insecurities and pay for your flaws, those of Pontius Pilate and of you and of me, that God loves you. He created you uniquely. He put gifts into you and you are not perfect and he's not surprised by that. Some of you just need to hear, man, you're not that bad. You're not shocking God with the things that you may have done wrong, the ways that you have fallen. God's looking at you and he's going, okay, well, you put your confidence there and how'd that go? Put your confidence in me and it's not gonna be about what you do wrong anymore. It's gonna be about what I do right. The truth is that the only place to put your confidence is in Jesus Christ because he will not fail. He did not and he will not. And I wanna be a church of people that look like him and live like him that have skin that is thick like his, that can go to Thanksgiving dinner and sit with some people that disagree on politics and sit at that table and love them both and give them both grace and have our own passions and our own opinions and handle it with thick skin and a soft heart. To not have to throw stones across the table, but say, hey, I wanna learn, I wanna listen, I wanna be like Jesus, because guess what? I am not bound to a political party or a person or anything of this world to put my confidence in. My confidence is in the kingdom of heaven. It is in Jesus who faithfully, humbly, with a soft heart and thick skin, walked to the cross and paid for all of my flaws and all the things that have put me on that wrong trajectory. And he has set me in a place to have holy confidence. And that's the life that we're gonna live. So you guys stand to your feet. Jesus, I pray right now for Red Rocks Austin, for our church family, for everybody hearing this. I pray for people that have never known the truth. God, I can't make them know the truth, but you can. I pray they would experience you right now in Jesus' name, that truth would be revealed to people. Graphs and equations and all football pictures, all the things aside, God, I just pray that we would experience you, that you would give us the ability to put our assurance and our trust in you. And that out of that, we would be a people known for our thick skin and our soft hearts in Jesus' name, amen.